the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from red robins, patio roses and potatoes. We've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Pam from Southwood and Ferrers. Oh, hello, Ken. Hello, Tom. Um, I've got an Echium pinana. Echium, yeah. I bought it at Bent Botanical Gardens on the Isle of Wight a couple of years ago. It bloomed beautifully last year. And I intended to take seeds off and didn't, and it's still there. And I'm wondering how I should cut it down now. So it's about three, three, three yards tall, three metres tall. Should I cut it down? Uh, the, <clears throat> and that's all green growth at the moment. It looks quite no. It looks quite brown. Actually, it's quite dead grey. Yeah. Oh, so the. I mean, I would take that dead. If it's dead on that top part, I'd take that down as far as you can. I mean that might be just the old remnant of the flower spike uh, on the on the on the yeah, well, the spike is still there. So you can remove that, and it should mm-hmm. actually shoot out more from the base. Oh, okay. How far can I go down with it? Just take that down as far as you can, because the whole of that spike uh, will gradually die off. So I'd actually cut it. I cut that central part down. When you say the spike, do you mean the flower or the yes, actual, the flower, um, the old, the old flower stalk. Yes. Okay. Is that... And that's all you need. Also, I'd actually just make sure there's enough... Um, you've got some organic matter that you can use from your garden around the base of it. Yeah, I can do. Yeah. Just to sort of keep it a little bit more moist uh, during the summer mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And I've just bought another one, um, which is a small small one, which is an Echium webbill. Right, yep. And uh, that's actually in bloom now, whereas the one I, ha- the, the one I had last year bloomed sort of late summer. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole range of echiums. I mean, they're such lovely plants, very architectural and they're very, beautiful. very bee-friendly. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are indeed. Uh, so definitely a good addition to any garden, I think. And if you've got a lovely sunny spot that's got a really good aspect, uh, that's the site they're going to really like. All right. So with, with, the, with the new one that I've gotten, and there's like lots of branches come out, when it's finished flowering, should I cut it right down or should I let the um, seeds drop to the bottom? Uh, I will uh, try and harvest some of the seed when you get them from the old flower head, or but they will actually seed around the base. Often mm-hmm. or not, they may not get through a cold winter period, uh, although they are relatively hardy. Um, I just I just remove after flowering, and once you've once you've got those flowers, once you've got the seeds within your hand, then you could actually reduce the the flower spike to the ground. Thank you very much for your help. Thank you. Good luck on that. It's a nice plant. Yep, it's a lovely plant indeed. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 And we move swiftly on to Daffodils with Mike from Chelmsford. Mike. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Tom. Um, I was deadhead in my daffodils yesterday and I suddenly thought, is it worth it? Because of course it is. Well, Percy Thrower said many years ago in black and white television, um, always deadhead your daffodils. And I have done since, but I thought, what about communal parks and these big estates? You don't get people going out deadheading them. No, they haven't got time. But that, exactly. that, that, oh, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not good practice. Right. 
Is it, so Tom? you'd say keep it up if you can. Yeah, I, I would. I if, did if, mine. If it's, if it's manageable <laughs> and you've got quite a few in the garden and yeah. uh, you, you, you can spare the time, take the old flower spike off. Uh, it means, yeah. well, actually just take the flower head off. Yeah, uh, because that will actually, it, it diverts all the energy into, into other growth as opposed yeah. to wasting it on uh, seed production. That's uh, and exactly then, what Mr. Thrower said 40 odd years ago. See? And then allow the plant to naturally then die back. And it's a, yeah. roughly about six to eight weeks. At least. It'll yeah. take to die down. And this is also a good time, once it's in leaf, to feed. Use a liquid feed if you can. Right. It really boosts the bulb. So and that means something like that. Anything like that. Even a t- I mean, like a tomato food would be great. You can water that right. in. And that yep. will really boost the plant for next year. Because one of the problems we've had this year is a number of bulbs were blind because mm. of the lack of water last year. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great advice. Thanks for your help. Good. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Thank you. I will. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we go, worry. Yeah. Do you know, Graham from Bishop Stalpsford, are you asking whether you should feed plants? Is that right, Graham? Well, yeah. Well, no, no I'm asking... Or uh, when? If what I should feed the plants with and when. Right. There are two particular plants... I Tell phoned us you more. two or three two or three weeks ago about a passion flower plant and yep. you gave me good advice and I waited and one of them is now showing signs of growth. Good. So I've cut it back and now I'm sitting here thinking, well, I understand it should be fed. So what do I feed it with and when? That's they're they're good questions. I mean the thing with everything, isn't it, Tom, is that we've we've having a strange the weather patterns have changed. And in fact the danger is that a lot of people think that feed is the thing that makes it grow even when it's dormant. But in fact, mm. it isn't, is it, Tom? It's no. got to be growing, hasn't it? Plants got to be in active growth. And actually, most plants are sort of getting there at the moment. So it's us- usually it's end of March coming into April mm. when you might want to actually feed around the base. About of now, all your possibly. Yeah. Yeah, so actually now is a good time to do it. What would you feed a passion flower with then, Tom? Um, I would Liquid? probably if it's. Is it sorry, is it was in the, it in a pot or was it in the ground? It's, it's, it's in effect both, because I've had to sink a pot into the ground and okay. uh, it's obviously doing on okay. both. Right. Uh, either or, actually. I mean, I'd go for maybe some like a slow-release fertiliser, mm. such as uh, Grow More. Um, roughly, that's about a hand a square metre uh, of material, which is about 35 grams a square metre. Just broadcast it around the base, lightly work it in with a fork, and then mulch on top of that. So a really That's good, the important thing, isn't it? Nice thick layer of organic matter, about six inches worth, and that will keep the moisture in when we need, when the plant really does need it. But also that feed will start to break down. I've, I've got one other plant as well, if I can ask you mm. as well. Um, thanks for that information. I broke up a, 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 a tub, tub full of hostas yesterday, uh-huh. and I've ended up with another five, five plants, which I put into separate separate parts because i've got to do it the 12 inch parts um when w- will they need feeding and if so when and what with depends what you potted them up with <laughs> what, what what compost have you used um a mixture of my own compost and some commercial stuff so in the commercial products you will probably have some kind of feed uh yeah. how long that feed lasts for it depends on the product you've used john yeah. in his number three would have been good well no this is this is just a co- just, a, just a bag of where you can find it. You know, multi-purpose, a multi-purpose compost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there will be there will be a feed in there, but but not a lot in it, his. It probably will won't be. last particularly long. I would still 
Um, feed. I would actually feed it using, again, either the same material you're going to use around the passion flower, or if it's really starting to unfold its leaves, yeah. before it's really growing well, you could use a liquid feed, and that's the quickest way of getting it into the plant. And the liquid tomato? Uh, well, no, uh, not tomato, well, really. Well, actually, you wouldn't, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. But um, any sort of uh, seaweed-based product, I, like I maxi would, crop, like or something a maxi like. crop, um, and water it in according to their directions, and you'll be doing that throughout the season. Uh, but you will be feeding more in a pot than you would be in the ground. Oh, get feeding, feeding, feeding. Mm. Alan from Chelsea, we're talking trees, aren't we, Alan? Yeah, hi Ken, hi Tom. Yeah, a little bit bigger plant than you normally talk about. Um, I couldn't help but notice that one of the large trees at the Russell College uh, fell down because it blocked the road and I couldn't get through. The, the, the question I have is how do you tell if a tree is diseased or likely to be dangerous? Because I have a holly tree in my back garden which reaches up to the guttering and two conifers in the front garden, which are as high as the top of the house. Uh, we, we risk assess all the trees. Uh, oh, that's because you're a college, though. But yeah. the, no, I'm not the, just saying, yeah. going through the process. Yeah. Um, so we do use a number of tools and equipment to actually monitor mm. not just what we visually see, but actually what's happening within the core tissue of the plant. So that particular plant, uh, we were aware that there were some Risks. fungal issues on it. Um, interestingly enough, tree surgeons were booked to remove it. And, and it fell it before fell. they got to it. Um, Do you not think, though, that generally, Tom, with the average garden that we look at, and this gentleman's talking about a holly tree that would be high, you would actually, you'd see, I mean, people ring up and say, why has my tree got less leaf? Why has it got a fungus on it? You'd see these things if there was a real problem, wouldn't you, generally? Yeah, I mean, if it's fungal, you tend to see sort of fruiting bodies either around the base of the plant, uh, or you may see them coming out from the plant. um, And... They're, they're doing nature's job, really. They're, they're cleaning up that part of the landscape. But it's they've got set points during the year when you'll see them. So, for example, if you've got, say, honey fungus, uh, honey fungus uh, or bootlace fungus uh, that attacks quite a lot, not just trees but also shrubs, you will get these sort of lovely yellow fruiting bodies or straw-coloured fruiting bodies at the base of the plant during the autumn. That's when we tend to notice that we might have an issue. But we do look for other symptoms. But what we're saying to Alan is really... He's just looking at it, and if they're in r- pretty healthy condition, he shouldn't they're, have to worry, yeah. should So he? then usually it's okay. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. Well, well, what sort of spurred this question is that the holly tree in particular um, is normally every year absolutely full of berries, um, but this, this winter it hasn't been. No. But the, all, the, all the leaves are still nice and... They're, they're not dropping. They're That's, what right. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. Healthy leaves. Yeah. So you're looking. So actually, the fact it's got healthy leaves for me means that plant is absolutely fine. One of the issues why plants may not come into fruit is because during pollination, uh, the process wasn't completed, or there was a frost and the flower was killed off. Therefore, you don't get your fruit, or there isn't enough pollinators around to actually move that pollen around. Right. So, okay. But I don't think it's, it's it's something a little bit more out of your control. We can't change weather and those conditions all you can do is just make sure the plant is growing healthily as so, it possibly right. can however alan if you see something abnormal then yeah. is the time to ask a tree surgeon to come and have absolutely, a look absolutely yeah yeah does that help yeah. you alan it does yeah i mean the, the pines or the conifers at the front are 
got loads of um, uh, pine cones at the top, so Good. that looks pretty healthy. So I'm, I guess I'm okay. Let's start with plant of the week, and this week I've gone for Acer palmatum. Yeah, or red maple, Japanese maple. They're that lovely little shrub that actually can grow nearly as big as a tree. Let's look at what they prefer. They prefer an acid-ish soil, but they will tolerate any soils. However, they hate a fully alkaline soil, so don't put them in that. They can't cope with soggy, wet conditions, and they can't cope with really dry conditions. So they are. That's what you've got to think about when you think about having an Acer Palmatum. Where'd they come from? They came from Japan, Korea, China, and in fact, they were also found as far away as Russia. And there are, well, they were first discovered, possibly about 1800, but in fact, first came to Britain in 1820. There's thousands of cultivars, well, at least hundreds anyway, and many have been selected and grown worldwide. Some grow faster than others, but we're not looking at those, are we? We're looking at Acer palmatum. It's a green form. It's deciduous. Um, it's a lovely round shrub. It is slowish growing, but it, if you left it for hundreds of years, it would become a small tree. It's best grown in woodland conditions and semi-shade. The flowers, well, they're insignificant, not thought to be of any value at all, but it, they do appear. Seeds, um, a bit, well, they're maples, so they're a bit like sycamore seeds, but small ones. They require stratification to germinate. Um, so it's very important indeed. Seedlings are rarely the same as the parent, which is something actually that people always expect the parents to produce something exactly the same in plants, but they don't. The leaves one and a half to two inches long, five to seven low. They are absolutely gorgeous and they round or dome shape. They can't cope with drought, remember, and do remember that. I know I said that at the beginning, but I'm reminding you. And as for pruning, well, what do you know? They don't need much pruning. I only prune to shape. And they're best, honestly, not pruned at all. So they are. Has Acer palmatum. Oh, just another thing. Don't worry about the roots either. That's why, why they can be grown in containers. They don't have massive roots. They're fairly shallow. And that's why you must mulch them. But get out there. Get an Acer, an Acer palmatum. Get a red one, a green one. But I'll tell you what. The green ones are absolutely superb. And we go now to Pat from Morden, who's asking about lawns. Is that right, Pat? Yeah, that's right, Ken. Thank you. Good morning to you both. Um, we had a new lawn laid um, in the summer of 2016, so this will be its third summer. And up until now, it's been lovely. But this year, we've got coarse grass coming through, which is lighter in colour, and it grows horizontally, so the mower doesn't cut it, if you know what I mean. It's Any like ideas? a twitch. It's like a twitch or a right, it's a rhizome type grass, isn't it? Yeah. It is difficult to get out, isn't it, Tom, actually? I mean, the, the, the answer they always say in the book is, you know what we're going to say, don't you? It's, it's mowing, isn't it? They always say, oh, mow the coarse grasses out. But the ladies, I mean, in, in Pat is dead right, isn't she? They grow flat, so they're very difficult to mow they're out. They're annoying, aren't they? Aren't they? Yes. <laughs> 
You what could, would you do? Scarify? Well, you, you, I mean, you can do and do a little bit of overseeding where you've got some patches as a result of doing that. No, uh, mowing sometimes in different directions does create a slight you, change to the growth. You could use a spring bolt rate, you know, the spring rate, and rake it up before you mow it. That's a good idea, yeah. That yeah. makes the grasses stand oh, right, up. Yes. Is, it a lawn you could, is, is that a lawn you could, you could easily do that to in your size lawn? Yes, yes, it's not very large. I think that's about the best. That's probably the best yeah. way if not, it's digging it out. It's seed, isn't it, usually that's come in? Or yeah. birds dropped a bit of rhizome yeah. and off yeah. it goes. There's and nothing just, you can do. And it's just invaded the space. Or, oh. unle or unless, no, no, it would have come up earlier. I was going to say, or, or was it there in the past underneath? But no, it would no. have arisen a year ago, wouldn't it? Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. I think right. it just come in. It's like lots of plants we see in our gardens. They're brought in by birds and animals and you can't no, do anything about it. It's probably my fault then for feeding the birds. <laughs> Ah, oh, now you see. Ah, now in your in your bird seed, you could yes. have one of those grasses that grows flat across the ground. Oh, we don't know what's in them. But using a rate to sort of tickle that them and be, bring the grasses the up that's is probably it. a better way, I think. Yeah, have a go, yeah. Pat. Come back yeah. and tell us, us whether it works. Let us know. Yeah. Yep. Okay, will do. Okay, thank you very much. That's Pat in Malden, and now we go to Heather in Waltham Abbey, who's talking red robins, aren't you, Heather? I am, yes. Now, I heard you talking about them last week. We did. And you were talking about pruning them. Well, yes. mine, and I, I wonder what it was, but it's obviously in flower. So how much do I prune off? And where do I prune it? Please? Yeah, it was an interesting discussion, actually, because, funny enough, I thought a bit... Well, in fact, someone mentioned to me, it was Dave Gillen was in, and what Dave was saying is, if they keep coming into flowers... Uh, no, I think the, 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 the person who rang said, why aren't I getting red? I've got a lovely bush and it keeps flowering. And he, he said, well, it means that you're not pruning it, because if it keeps coming into flower, it means you're not pruning it, you're not getting your red. So you've got lots of flower coming, but have you got your red or not? Um, I have got some red coming on the lower part. Yeah. So and I heard you. I heard him say that last week, and after it finished, I looked at mine. And I thought, hmm, and it was a, right near towards the end of the program. So I thought, <laughs> That's I'll right. have to leave it till next week. Oh, you can and, check it out on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a bit old for doing things like that, Ken. Never too old. Never too old, Heather. Never How, too old. Are you growing it as a specimen plant? Or are you growing it as a hedge? No. No, I'm just growing it as a plant. Right, OK. I'd cut it. I'd still prune it now. I, I mean, a flower's a grape. You know, I like, I, I like growing them the, the foliage. The, the foliage, foliage is brilliant. Gorgeous. So take, I mean, enjoy the flowers really well because they are, they are coming out now and then remove yeah. the flowers after you've enjoyed those and you should get lots of new growth, which will all be bright red. Oh, thank you very much. So I just sort of cut them off at the, take them back to the stem to the end and cut them off there. Yeah. No, I just, I, um, he, I know he was talking last week about pruning it, and afterwards I thought I don't go out and just hack at it. I think I'd better find oh. out. But How hang on, I need to prune it. Tom was going to actually just go back on that because what you said was, "Do I just go back to the end of the flower stem?" And Tom, that isn't quite right. No, is so it? look, if you look at the flowers and plant, you're going to remo remove the old flower, and you're going to go down that stem to an outward-facing leaf. You're probably going to go down six inches, uh, six inches or so, I suppose, and do that yeah. all over where it's flowered. And then as a result, because you've cut just above a junction there where the leaf is being left, yeah. there's a little bud there. That bud will give you a new shoot and that shoot will be bright red. All right. Oh, 
Thank you very much indeed. And give it a good feed. Nice good feed at the moment. Yeah. General fertiliser, a big old handful of more <laughs> or fish blood and bone. Work it in around the base of the plants. We've got to go over across the uh, across the county line now to Doreen in Kent. Hello, Doreen. Hello. Over um, in Chatham. Aren't, are you Chatham area? Uh, Gillingham. Gillingham. Oh, very nice yeah. too. What can we help um, you with today? It's a house plant. It's um, an orchid that I've had for 18 oh, yeah. months. Mm-hmm. And it's never stopped blooming. It's absolutely covered in beautiful flowers. Gorgeous. They're very small. Uh, not the big one. One is a bit bigger than the other, isn't it? You can get all various kinds, but this one's a tiny flower on it. Are the flowers and sort of pansy-like? No, it's not the big pansy. It's the little, not those. It's the smaller ones. I it's know. the one that's smaller, which is yeah. it's still it's part of the same family, blooming. isn't it? I've got it in the bathroom, and it's been perfectly happy. Uh, but and I've got it in a glass jug so that it get you know it's in the light. Uh, right. The last pot. Yep. Um, anyway, I, I water it roughly about every fortnight, and I always feed it. And um, I've no, I've lost two of its green leaves. They've died completely, and I've noticed now that they're all going yellow. The actual big leaves. It's not and, sitting in too much water, is it? No, I only leave it. I don't leave. I, I just you know put it up a certain just above the bottom. And oh, then hang on, I though. only leave it overnight, and then I'll tip it out in the morning and oh. just leave it. No, that's all right. That's right, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, yeah that's fine. the only thing is it's been perfectly happy, but the only, there's all roots coming out the bottom of it now. That's all right. Know? No, that's fine. That's OK. I mean, these plants in their natu- nat- natural yeah. sort of habitat will grow it, it, on I, other plants. I'd hate to lose it. I love it, really. <clears throat> it's in the bathroom, and it seems to love it in there. Yeah, because you've got maybe some humidity there. They do like yeah, it slightly humid. Yeah, that's why I put it in there, because I lost one before, and I thought it was because I had it in the wrong place. What can we do for it if it's, if it's well, yellowing I'm and dying? Well, about this, why it's, it looks to me as if it's dying. It, the actual green leaves, look they're all going yellowy colour. Now, is that it, sounds too and, wet. And, it know? does sound as if it could be too wet. I mean, are the leaves that are going yellow at the bottom of the plant or towards the top of the plant? The, 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 the top of the plant. They're, they're going from the top down to the bottom of the plant if you know what I mean <laughs> so the plant's dying off from the top down yeah just just uh, I've lost two already Lee's. I still think it's died. too much water you know I think it's a are water the, issue are they when when they go yellow are they soft the leaf yeah, is it goes it's, sappy it's, yeah it's, it's too well, much water yeah but then reduce I, I've, I've, I haven't altered the way I watered it I've done it exactly the same I even write it down so I don't no, over water it reduce it let it nearly, yeah, let it get nearly dry, bone dry before you water, and I'm sure that should help. Well, and what about sticking a feeder in? Coming out the bottom, whether they... No, 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 the, that's absolutely fine. The roots go all over the place. I wouldn't cut them off or remove no. them. No, no, uh, I don't, I, I no. would, no, because so, I don't so know th- enough they're about abso- it, That's but... absolutely fine. It's quite a natural thing for the plant. So but I would suggest? I would reduce your watering a little bit more. So maybe if two to three weeks, but I would actually do a little bit of misting on those roots and use something like a orchid drip feeder. So they put it in the top of the yeah, pot. they're great. You just cut off the ends, invert the bottle, and stick it in the top of the plant, where the where the compost is, and it'll actually drip feed and boost the plant. But I think it's a water issue. So do I. Uh, right, uh, let's. Where were we going? I've got a bit lost here. Yeah, I know where we are. We're going to Andrew from Benfleet. Sorry to kept you, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Antero. Yeah. What, what have you got for us today? Well, basically, what I'm, what I'm doing this year, I'm uh, growing a giant pumpkin on my allotment. 
Uh-huh. And uh, hopefully I'll get it to a decent size and then taking it to a high tall and putting it in the uh, giant pumpkin competition. Well, that's good so, fun, good luck, it? yeah. Yeah, good fun. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing to do and it's a good day out. Um, basically, I've managed to get... Uh, last year, I entered the competition. I got the prize for the prettiest pumpkin, so they give you some seeds to try again this year. And they gave me seven seeds, and I managed to get three of them to germinate. And one of them's going really well um, in the greenhouse. So, obviously, I've, I've prepared the soil uh, last year. I just dug some um, manure into the ground and covered it and... That's good. So you're, do, you're doing pits. in the yeah. soil to get it get it ready. Now, then I'm wondering, after planting, what would be the procedure? So, where, hang on, where are you planting? You mean you're plant? You want to know what to do with them when you planted them in the ground? Well, if it, once it gets planted in the allotment and it starts sort of creeping along the ground, let's say for instance you get one that gets uh, pollinated yeah. and it starts forming a pumpkin and then it moves on, do you remove... Oh, I see what you're getting at. Ah, right, OK. Yeah, that you makes just, sense. You, yeah, so once you've got... Once pollination and fertilisation has occurred and you've got yeah. fruit forming, uh, you want yeah. to limit the number of fruits that are going to be formed because you want all the energy really to go into that one large pumpkin that oh, you've got. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a little bit like bust-up squash, really. If you want just a better quality-sized one, you actually only allow one... Well, I think it's one or two to develop... And actually, all the yeah. other tendrils that you have, you cut them off. You cut them off. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so all that energy then goes into the remaining one. fruit. The one you're after. The one pumpkin. Yeah. What about feed? Is it nitrogen feed or uh, feed? Well, or? it's it is a fruit that you have actually. So something like a, a tomato feed would be good. Uh, what yeah. sort of feed did you use last year? Uh, I just used. Um, yeah, I just used the phosphogen and, and some tomato feed. Do the yeah. same. I keep keep the same. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Do you have to keep it well? Yes, loads of water. All all members of that family. It's the cucurbitaceae family. It's all where the cucumber squashes. All of those. They love moisture. So what you could also do is to keep that moisture in. Also mulch around the base with a really well rotted organic matter. And that should sort your pumpkin out. And we look forward to hearing whether you're successful on that. And we go to Kay in Harlow. Uh, hello, Kay. How's things oh, with you morning, over in Harlow? Um, we've got a large garden. It's about 130 foot. Lovely. Um, so we've got lots of pots. Uh, most of them are about 18 inches. And mm-hmm. we've got about 10 rhododendrons that we've bought over the years. They seem to flourish and we feed them with uh, tomato food mm-hmm. uh, about once a fortnight, watered them through the hot summer, and yet every year a couple they seem to die on their third year. We've got uh, these are hang on, these are ones in containers. Yeah, yeah, what, they're in pots. Right, yeah. what size pot have you got? Eighty. And they're how big? How, no, but how big's the plant? You didn't say, did you? A couple of foot. Some of them, not that much. Stephen, See, last inches. year I reckon they could have dried out, couldn't they? They could have done actually. Last year, lots of things. Two foot. Yeah, dr- lots of things did dry out last year. That's, that could be quite small actually for the summer that you've just gone through. Um, and what's probably happened there is the plant has overly dried out. So, so, so much so that not even the flower buds have formed, and potentially you've got some dye back on the plant. Mm. So it might. Yeah, all the leaves seem to be falling off of about three, but the others are fine. 
you know, we buy some every year. Uh, and and, and you're and you're going on for a long time. And you're potting into yeah. lime-free compost. Yes. And you say you're feeding with tomato feed. I would probably switch your tomato feed to um, an acid feed or a feed that's got iron in it. Right. That would be probably better for the plants. Right. Thank you very much. Perhaps we'll keep them beyond their third birthday. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... Yeah, 18 inches. I'd probably need a couple of feet Try and go a little bit bigger than that, I would say. Yeah. So two foot, 24 inches across, that would be. That'd be better. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much indeed. Back to gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Now, Tom, what's your first one? Well, I know it's not the most exciting thing to do, but it's a must and we really should be doing this now as we go through the season. That's keeping those weeds under control. They're, They're growing, growing up. like this billio. Growing up mad. Yep. So hand weed annuals and make sure that um, you then follow through in mulching of your bed. So a nice thick layer of organic matter. And these days, almost up to about six inches in depth because that will also save you in the summer and keep that moisture in but keeps the weeds at bay and to dig out those deeper rooted perennials like the dandelion do that with the trowel can't you yeah you get little little sort of daisy grubbers and you can get long thin trowels really get it right around the root and then twist it into the ground and then pull out the root system so they are. Now, what you got? Now, come on, that's hard work. Well, nearly hard work. So what's your second one? Is well, that hard work? It's just to be a bit careful because at this time of the year, lots of things are flowering and uh, some of those plants, for example, peaches, nectarines and apricots, mm. uh, they flower early. They're perfectly hardy, but when it's a cold night, like it has been, those flowers can be um, killed off before any pollination or fertilisation takes place. So I use horticultural fleece or even old net curtains to do drape well. over. They were always Peter Seabrook's favourite net curtains. Well, it gives you about a one or two degree lift. And if you want to spend a bit more, then get the fleece, which is a spun fibre, and that gives about three degrees Quite lift. Quite good, isn't it? Yeah, it's just for night protection. Because really, I mean, if you look at the night temperatures, they've been very low. They're going down to minuses, aren't they, at the moment? Absolutely, yeah. It's frost. Frost for the last mm. couple of days in a row, really. Um, so keep that frost protection over the over the evening period. And in the morning, take it off because it will warm up and it'll allow those pollinators to do their work. Thank you very much, Tom. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Now we go to Lee. How's that? Is it sunny and bright in Lee, Iris? Um, yes, it's not a bad day today. Good. And um, um, what... What I'm ringing for, yeah. hello, Ken, Tom, is that my son bought new property, but in, and he's got a back lawn yeah. where um, <clears throat> it's been in two years. They're going to have to come and turf it because he's got all bugs. Is, is it called May bugs or something in the lawn? There's chafer grubs. Yes, well, the lawn is completely destroyed. Sounds like chafer and, grubs. And they're going to come and put new turf down, but he no, wants to know, sized. because he's got a dog and a little child that's got bad lungs with cerebral palsy, after they've put the new turf down, is there any way that he can treat it to stop them coming back? No. There isn't. Well, oh, yeah, there are nematodes. There's a nematode. Nematode, sorry, there is a nematode. There is no chemical... 
chemical that you can use and there's no drench that you can use. Actually, is there a drench? No, it's no chemical. No, it's gone, it, isn't it? There's a, yeah. there's a biological control which is uh, yeah. based on a microscopic eelworm. It's called a nematode. 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 Yeah, with an N on the front. And, and it, when they put the new lawn, well, hopefully, and all next door have got it as well. They've been a bit naughty, these people that built the property, because you moved into it this year, but it's actually two years it's old. It's the show house. And they just put, it was absolutely awful. That Where the hell did they get the turf from? Well, we don't know. We think they must have bought cheap, because what's happened. It's in South End, and what they've done, the expensive houses, which are detached, they've got more expensive turf down, so nobody's got it there. But these houses that have got, that are a little, well, they're not cheap, but cheaper, they've put this cheap turf down, and all the lawns started going black, and then he's got all these buds everywhere. Next door, I've got them. That doesn't. They can't let the dog out. I, I'm let... just in. Hang on, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I, I know. Can I ask know, when? Yeah. When was the damage? When? Yeah, when? What time of the year? Well, he's just found it because he moved in in December. No, hang on, hang on. No, when was when were they turfed? They were turfed a couple of years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, but it was a show house, so they may have even been there last year, mightn't they? And when, what happened to the... No, hang on, in, hang on. I, no, I'm just trying to find out what happened to the lawn. Can you describe what happened to the lawn? It Did went it, black and muddy. It just disappeared like mud and brown. And the whole of the lawn disappeared and then appeared all the bugs in it. I'm one of these bugs. So what do the bugs look like? Well, he said they're like dragonfly things. Big dragonfly things with wings that fly around. That's crane fly. That's, that's crane so, fly. That's daddy, long, that's daddy long legs. So you get actually yeah. a sawborn pest called a leather jacket. Leather jackets. Which eats yeah, the root. Yeah. Which eats the yeah. roots of the of the grasses, and the grass then dies out in patches. That must be incredible yeah. infestation if yeah. it's wiped the lawn oh, out. Terrible because yeah. they've got a little girl that's got. And be underground. Yeah, I mean, and what? she's got lung trouble. So they can't let her or the dog no. out. They, no, hang on then. They're supposed to be coming right. to redo it. No, really, because the problem's going to—they're going to be in the soil, aren't they? They've got it. They, you've well, that's got. What we hang said. on, they'd have to dig the soil up. Yeah, they need to see that they remove the turf completely to a reasonable depth. To I don't I'll know, a few inches. Sure. I'll tell my son. Because if not, they may not get rid of them all. And then if you've written down nematode, remember nematode, and then you treat the nematode. When would you put those nematodes on? I'm just trying to think when they... Because they lay in... Minimum temperatures, 12 degrees C for those. So you could do those in May time, possibly, couldn't you? Uh, well, for, to what are they stop, doing in May? No, to stop that particular pest, if it's if it's added long way, it's ah, in September so to October. It's September. So in fact, you can't apply until the end of the summer. So I hope that uh, helps you, Iris. All um, right. Is that, does that? Is it a spray stuff? No, or? it's a it's a living being that's like a tiny eel worm. You buy it in packets, you dilute, and you pour it onto Get the it lawn. From the garden centre. Yes, or mail order is better. Yeah. Mail order and it's yeah. called nematode. A nematode for crane fly or leather or jacket. Crane fly. Okay, so that's sorted iris. That's a bit of a major problem. That Sounds is, that's not good it? at all. Good. Uh, let's now go to Malden. 
Vivian in Morden, feeding the ground. What have you got plants that you're trying to feed? Hello. Hello. Yeah, we're listening to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I always feed the ground in spring. Yes. Um, with grow more. Okay. I did it earlier, I think, this year, because I think the weather was quite good at the beginning of March. So I mm-hmm. thought, well, I might as well do it now. So I fed the ground, then I mulched it with manure and compost. Right. But the thing is now, I, I always used to leave my feeding of the plants till summer. But as I'd done the grow more earlier, and I keep reading, start feeding your plants, if I start feeding them with what I normally do, miracle grow or, or rose, you know, for roses and that, am I doing it too near to the grow more? Should I leave it to the summer like I always used to? Well, that grow more is going to last you all year. Right. So, That's, so one application in the year is all you would need to do. I don't need to, because I'll be overfeeding them. You could be overfeeding, and that means you could get some toxic conditions. However, right. the shame is that you, where you've put Gromor, particularly if you put it around roses, it's a shame that you didn't put the rose food around the roses because that has benef- benefits, bigger benefits than ordinary Gromor for the roses. So in future... I did have rose feed as well, in yes. granules, and I yes, did but... put some of that around the roses. Oh, that's fine. That's great. That's okay. That really helps. That's great. Because they're quite hungry feeders. They need a, yeah. a higher level of potassium. That, that's, that's, what, that's what you'll get in your Yeah, your, and your I, rose. I've, got, I've got roses in pots as well, and I and I was going to put some um, fish blood and bone meal around them. But I, then I thought, am I going to overfeed them because they've already... So had the food? answer is yes, you would be overfeeding <laughs> if you right. keep... You yeah. can't keep <clears throat> applying. And the only no. thing that you could do, you could use liquids, couldn't you, just to boost them up? At, yeah, I've got yeah. some miracle grow. That yeah, that, well, that's fine. But I mean, not yet. Well, but well, if, you, if you're looking at the ground and you're looking at feeding plants in the ground, that one application is absolutely fine. <coughs> but that one, one application, yeah, that's all we need to do. Fine. In pots, though, because you're going to be watering and watering and watering, you will need to periodically feed because you're always flushing out the nutrients. Yeah. And if you're using a liquid, you can feed every couple of weeks, yeah, as yeah. per it says would, on the would pot. I, would I start doing that now, or should I leave it a little bit? So, you know, Depends on the weather. Wait till next weekend, it's warmer. Depends on what right. growth they put on. If it's really produced a lot of growth, then I would feed. Uh, right. I'm also a bit conscious, though, that it's lovely during the day and it's very cold at night. You could boost the plant into growth and also get some potential frost issues on that new growth. So right. I'd just be a bit, a little bit wary there. Leave it for a few weeks. Nothing's going to go wrong if you don't feed. And then start doing the pots, but don't worry about the ground. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think you've got it, as I say. <laughs> I think you've definitely got it. So let's uh, now go to Zena from Whittam. Hi, Zena. Good morning, gents. Great programme as usual. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. Uh, right, I've got a proprietary four-in-one feed and weed for the lawn. I usually apply it in heavy rain and when I know that it's going to be raining for a good few hours. Can't see any rain on the horizon. We've got a little bit Not of a lot, is it? this morning, but... I've looked ahead for the next two weeks. So when's the latest I can apply it? Haven't Bearing got... in mind, I've got a garden full of hedgehogs, so I don't want to leave anything on the surface. Haven't, haven't you got a hose and an oscillator? Yeah, I've got... Well, no, I haven't. I'll have to just stand there and, and do it by hand if I've got to water it it's, in Is it quite way. a big lawn? No, 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 no. Water well, I would, it. I'd yeah. water it in. Yeah. Water it in. So you okay. water it in within 24 to 48 hours, but if you're worried about your hedgehogs, do it straight, straight, straight afterwards. Yeah, yeah well, this is it, because obviously I don't want the hedgehogs, I don't know whether it would burn their little feet and or what, the rest of it. It's pretty, it's pretty safe stuff. They're yeah, very yeah, careful yeah. what they put in it today. Um, yeah. How long do you think each area should have water for? Because I do it for like 20 minutes, half an hour yeah. each area. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's why I minutes, su- yeah, okay. that's why I suggested an oscillator because you can you put can go it in away one and place, do something else. You can go and do something else, then come out, have a cup of tea, and pull it pull it up a bit <laughs> I think farther I'd up the go garden. And get one today, I then. would. I would. <laughs> yeah, I'd money well spent. That would be so a good couple <clears throat> of hours soaking for the you know for each area, or like for the whole lawn in total sort of thing. It's going to take a good few hours. Yeah, yeah? That, that's fine. Okay. Just yeah, just and keep moving it around. Be okay. Sorry. Tap water will be okay. Oh yeah. Oh yes, absolutely yeah, 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 fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah, no problem at all. All right, lovely. Thank you very much, gents. Thank you, Zena, for your call. Um, where do I go from here? I'd like... Yeah, no, i better deal with... I'm going to deal with... I'm going to deal with Judy from Southend, because if not, I'll be keeping you waiting too long, Judy. Patio Roses. Have you got many yeah. Patio Roses, Judy? Well, how many? with me, because as a woman, I'd like to tell the story. Oh. Know what we're like. Anyway, um... <laughs> my little um, after my little boy passed, um, um, a friend of mine bought me a patio rose. Lovely. I've spoken to you before about it because what happened was he was one of a twin, and when his twin Adam turned thirteen, something happened to the rose, and instead of it being a patio rose, it turned into this tall, scrawny thing that was here, there, and everywhere. Which then, when I discussed with you, we worked out, you said to me, it was because the yellow patio rose had died. Yeah. And you were like, I think there was a deathly silence between you and your guests because it had been bought for my little boy that had died. Yes. And you said that now the rambling rose has climbed. You've got, you've got, yes, you've got the, um, the, the, the old root root stock, as we call it, that has grown. Yes. Between you and I, we decided, I think, that because my boy had turned into a teenager, it was now a rambling rose. Well, it was a wild rose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a wild rose. My question is, um, it keeps shooting for the stars, which is really lovely, but... It doesn't produce any white flowers, it you know, might, like the wild... The it might never produce any flowers, might it, Tom? Oh, right. I mean, it should produce some. It should produce something. Something. No, yeah. I was just thinking, can I give it a chop from the top? And to You could see... chop it down to nearly the ground and it will still shoot up and then it should have some flower on that new growth, shouldn't it, Tom? You could do that. And also, I mean, where you've got plants like, I mean, some roses you can tie them down a bit more. So right. I have with certain plants put in either stakes or supports around the plant and then bent the branch that's getting very whippy, tied yeah. it down onto the support and almost sort of right. looped it around. And that stressing can also encourage uh, growth and, and the, and the oh, right sort of right. growth that you might want. It's worth trying, but yeah, if you well, cut... Yeah, I bought some um, trellises and I thought, oh, as it grows up, I'll whip it in and out the trellises. Yeah, but that's I fine. Thought, oh, I don't know. So I thought, mm, I know, I'll bring you guys yeah. because I always do what I'm told with you guys. Okay. <laughs> and give it a good feed. Give it some tomato food and that might encourage it into flour, mightn't it, Tom? You could do, yes. Or rose yeah, food. Or rose food, yeah. Yeah, rose food or tomato food. All right? Yeah, is there any way that I can graft a rose, a yellow rose onto it myself? Very tricky. Is right, this, this is your homework for the weekend. Hold on, let me get a Right, you want to go and find out a technique called chip budding. Chip. As in the chip? Yeah, and budding. Budding. Yeah. And it's a propagation technique that okay. uh, you can produce, amongst other things, bush roses, for example, and it's a technique you do in the yeah. summer. Right. 
So go and have a look out for that one. And um, it does require sharp knives and a bit of patience. Okay, I've got plenty of patience. There you go. I've had six kids, so patience is a virtue. So she's going to have to look it up. Look it up, yeah. Because it's a lot... Tom would spend the next quarter of an hour and I could answer lots of questions in that time. Or go online, put it in. All right? All right, then. Thank you very much, guys. Judy, let us know how you get on and whether you're successful. We always like to hear success stories and failures as well. We don't mind. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has for us this week. So as you're going into the real growing season, everything's bursting into life, uh, this is a really good time to move and also split up and divide grasses and bamboos and also water lilies, if you have those and they're burgeoning Mm. and they're absolutely filling out and falling over the pond. But back to grasses. Grass is a great time to move them. Uh, Get your fork, really lift up the clump and um, split it into maybe quarters or thirds. What, with a knife or a spade? What I would use a fork... (laughs) And possibly a spade. Yes. Um, and take that out and make sure you know where they're all going to go. I know it's a bit odd saying that, but uh, we often dig them up and then think, well, where no, am I going to go? There's no point in cutting <clears> it up <throat> into very small pieces if you've got nowhere for them to go, no. is it? So a large clump into quarters or thirds and absolutely make sure they're thoroughly watered in once you do plant them. And give them a boost. Also apply a feed, and I'd probably do something like a liquid feed, uh, something like a maxi crop based product with lots of potassium in, really strengthens the plant. And maybe just to compensate for that moving movement, make sure the grasses have been cut down thoroughly, and maybe trim roots actually just before. You, doesn't you, hurt, does doesn't it? hurt, no. What's your second one here? And that, the last one really is to look at uh, climbing and rambler roses or mm. any sort of wall shrub or plant that's Looking got very good. straggly. Yeah. So tie them in. Tie them in, tie those branches and, and stems down to the horizontal because that really slows the sap down. And particularly with climbing at roses and rambler roses, it creates lots of flowers all the way along the stem. Some of those climbing roses and ramblers that I've been harsh at this winter really take them off the walls and rewire completely. The growth on them is fantastic. It's phenomenal, actually. Some have put on about a foot plus of growth. It's already. And they can be gently tied in as well, can't they? Yeah, and tie them down, tie them in loops and whirls. So it also can look quite decorative as well. Well, that's Tom's tips on the podcast. John, daisies, what are we talking about then? Good morning, Tom. Um, These days we cut, there's a few of us in the street cut our verges. Yep. And my one in particular is... He's uninundated with daisies. Lovely, yeah. Uh, not really, because <laughs> when they die off, you're left with nothing. Yep. What would you like to do to them? Well, I want to get rid of them and so and put the grass back there. Just use a selective weed killer for Select- lawns. A lawn selective weed killer. Right. Now, will, will the grass grow back where they die off? Yeah, so what, what the weed killer will do is it'll kill off all those broadleaf weeds like the daisy. Yeah. It will hit the grass, but it won't be absorbed by the grass. So the grasses will all survive, and the feed will help boost them so they'll grow stronger. Oh, I need to feed it as well, do I? Yeah, if he's using a liquid, there's it, no feed in the liquid, is there? But if you use a... I don't like them. Okay, I like liquids. A, liquids so, are more effective so, on a on So a go for a selective it. weed killer and water it in. Right, and then give it a good feed, and that will get the grasses growing, won't it? Right. Can Absolutely. I get you to comment on one other item? Very quickly, please, John. Um, <laughs> with this cold weather, yep, my cherry tree is in full blossom. Yeah, and that yet there's very well. I haven't seen a visitor yet. 
No, there's hardly any bees or there's not a lot of um, stuff around at all, is no, it's it? It's quite cold, isn't it? So they're That's not going to be right. moving around. They'll start probably moving around uh, later in the morning, maybe more lunchtime. And later in the week. Yeah. So I, I could end up with no cherries this year then? Well, I, you could do. I think it's a possibility and this it, year. It's, and it's not one of these trees that's it's small enough to cover? Could no, you cover no, it? It's too no. big for that. It's so big, big. it's out of your control, I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very leave much. It, John. Nice leave. Weekend. Yeah, and John, leave it to nature. They're marvellous. That nature people. They're t they're <clears> marvellous. <throat> and we go to Alan in Hatfield. Hello, Alan. We're talking bluebells. Is that right? Ah, uh, hello again. Yes. Yeah, so my neighbour had some the other year, a couple of years ago. But they're not our uh, English bluebells. I think mean, they're the Spanish ones. Do you, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yes, we know, yeah. You've um, got English and Spanish, yeah. Well, I haven't got no English, they're just Spanish ones. Right. And they've suddenly appeared in my garden. Seed? Various clumps all over the place, you know. I yes, it's seed. seeding or what? It's seed. Um, bluebells are self-seed, well, self-seed, it's birds moving seed quite freely. And, you know, I don't, you know, I'm getting too many. You know, they're not the English ones, I wouldn't mind so much, but these... These are the Spanish ones. They're, I mean, st can they're I... still pretty. <laughs> they're still quite pretty, but they haven't got the sense that um, no. an English uh, bluebell has, or a native bluebell has. Oh, uh, they are very prolific. They're getting, you know, big clumps all, all over the place. I can't mm. believe it. You know, which, none of which I've put in the garden. What would you do to get rid of them if you wanted to get rid of them, Tom? <laughs> I mean, you could either use a selective weed killer on them, couldn't you? Could you could do, yeah, that could work. Or dig them out. Or dig them out, but they're usually quite deep, aren't they? So they if are. they're quite deep, um, you can dig out with a spade. If not, I would use something with a glyphosate base, uh, a weed killer. Which will then yeah, kill I mean, all. But you I'm... need to be careful that that weed killer does not go onto any other plants. Yes, that's yes. really important. Yeah? Yes, that's what I want to know, because, you know, I'm just getting too much of it. No, use a, use a weed killer, and that should sort it out. Yeah? Okay, is that okay? Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Um, I'm just going to mention, yes, uh, Ron from Chelmsford had a, a he's, he's actually sent me it right at the beginning, Ron, and I have, uh, I know I'm coming back to the phones, but I'd just like to mention Ron in Chelmsford has sent us a text and he said, I've heard you mention root feeding for ageing trees and it's one of my favourite things. And it's something I learned as an apprentice and all those, just a few years ago. And uh, it was my favourite method is that you go out to the canopy of the tree, mm -hmm. you then get a metal pole, you drive it down into the ground about 18 inches, and then something like Vitax Q4 is a good favourite of mine. I think that's what I used to use. That's why I've stuck with it. And you do these, you go round the canopy of trees, driving a hole into the ground 18 inches deep at about every foot, all the way round the tree. Because that's where the feeder roots that's are. That's where the feeder roots are, that's right. And then you drop Vitax down there and put, you know, a good handful down and then put the soil back. It's as simple as that. Put a bit more soil on top and you'll find, Ron, you will be surprised how that helps an oldish tree. They really it, respond well, actually. Yeah. It may not be all of that year, but no. you can definitely get it in the second year. So, but how and when? <laughs> I've told you how. When? Now. Right now. Absolutely. Right now, let's go back to the phones and see whether we can help Sue in Hullbridge. Sue. Hello poor, there. Um, <laughs> poor bloke's coughing away in here. <laughs> anyway, you carry on, Sue. We're listening. We won't worry about him. 
So, oh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yes, I, hello. I've got a spare piece of land just for this year. Yes. Which I would like to grow sweet corn, pumpkins, and some willows, little saps, little wicks that I've cut off of yep. a tree. Okay. Um, I've actually bought five different varieties of sweet corn and four varieties of pumpkins. I've got a feeling that I read somewhere that you have to make sure that sweet corn don't cross-pollinate. Is that right? Oh, no. Sweet corn no. is wind-pollinated. That's right. So you, yeah. what you must avoid is planting just in a row. You've got Pumping. to plant them as a block so that the yeah. pollen does move really easily from one plant to the next. Um, does it matter if she's block, her block is, consists of three different varieties of sweet corn? No. It doesn't matter no. at all, does it? No. Oh, excellent. But, oh, that but always nice go with them in a block. Always go with them in a block. In a block. Right, right. And because I'm growing pumpkins underneath, yep. should I spread the um, sweet corns out a bit further than they... No, you'd honestly no. be you'd honestly be better using the sweet corn closely because it then doesn't get damaged and it, it'll work better. Do a corner of sweet corn close by. I wouldn't put the pumpkins right. underneath because they won't ripen as well, will they? Well, I or you reckon know. they will? Because it, it's part of something called the three sisters. But you don't want to open them up, do you? Too much yeah. the sweet corn. No, but you will. You can still grow. You can grow pumpkins under sweet corn and use the sweet corn also for growing runner beans up. You could. Yeah. You could. Um, but I, you might want to space out those sweet corn a little bit more than but the not, recommendation on the pack. But, not but don't too go much. too much. No. Go, right. go right. like 20% more, but no more. Because if not, there's got you won't get your good pollination and it won't work as well Have for you. Have you started them all off yet? No, I haven't. You better start. Yes, I know. I Get know. on those window sills. Yes, yes, that's this weekend's job. After you've finished, of course. Of course. <laughs> Thank you, Sue, for mentioning that. Uh, don't forget, though, that you can always catch us on the BBC Sounds app with our podcasts. Uh, where should we go now? Where should we Should we go to Bob in Great Baddo? Yes, we will. Hello, Bob. Morning, bruv. Um, you've answered the question I was originally going to ring up, which was um, weed killer. Yep. So can I just throw it to um, top dressing, where, when, materials and how? Top dressing on lawns. Right. Uh, top dressing is part of your maintenance either in the autumn or spring. So have you scarified and aerated your lawn? No, not you... yet. Okay, so... Still do it, just for me. I would do it. It's quite a nice day, actually, to do that today. Uh, so raking off any thatch, aerating, and then follow that through with top dressing... And depending on your soil type, and are you more clay-based or sandy? Um, it's not sandy. It's not sandy, but it's not heavy clay either. It's, it's, it's but pretty... you, you, what you probably want then is a top dressing mix, which has got a, probably around about 70 or 80% sand. Yeah. Um, and that will mean when you apply it, you apply it across the whole lawn, it actually fills in the holes you've created for, for aerating. Helps with, helps with drainage, helps with aeration, also minor, uh, sort of levels out any minor dips and hollows, and actually also becomes quite good medium to overseed if you've got the odd patch. Okay, so I've got 70% sand. What's the other 30%? 30% would be just a sieved, uh, clean, uh, sorry, sterilised loam, and a lo all loam is equal parts sand, silt and clay. Okay, smash it. All right. Thank you very much. <clears throat> much advice. You notice I didn't answer that question because I bought some proprietary, which I will not name, proprietary top dressing, which I put on my lawn. You want to see my lawn? 
it is a disaster. This stuff just went stodgy and it hasn't worked at oh, all. Dear. I was really disappointed. You need to go and back it's to funny. That. No, it's funny because I mentioned it and and and. Uh, a, a listener rang about a month ago and said similar problem with one of their proprietary bands. So it, it's an interesting one that you don't realise what you're buying always, mm. do you? Mm -hmm. But anyway, do your best. I'm going to just... Um, we've Bob's gone. We've got Ron from Wheelie and Barbara in Sawbridgeworth. And I must answer Francis Bourne. Francis Bourne, my rhubarb seems to have got what appears, and I've shown you those lovely crowns of lovely whitish, creamy flowers, flowers that yeah. are in the base do of the rhubarb. you know what I do with them? What would you do with them? Wiggle them from side to side and pull them out the ground. Yeah, and the question is, will they stop more rhubarb from growing? They no, they won't. Will they? If you leave them on, they can. Oh, yeah, no, if you leave will. them on, but you're taking them out. Yeah, and they will want to do it again, so you just do it again. Yeah, and why do they do it? Stress, isn't it? Well, yeah, so, and stress can be temperature or water related. Exactly. Let's go back to the phones and see whether we can help some other people with their stress in their garden. Barbara in Sawbridge, you're not stressed, are you? No, not stressed, no. no. <laughs> um, it's just a quick thing. I've got some really lovely snowdrops. They're nice, big, fat, quite fat flowers and people admire them. They're asking me to let them have them, but I don't know what to do with them. I mean, they've, they've spread enormously in the gardens this time, but... So how do I do it? Can I just dig up the bulbs? Absolutely. And with a trowel? Yeah. No, don't it, let them dry up. No, it's the oh, best time... So best no. time, yeah, to lift them up now when they're in the green, so they've still got their leaves yeah. on and remnants of flowers, and just treat them like a peren any other perennial. Lift them up, give them out. They need to plant them, water them in, and feed them. With a liquid, liquid feed. With a liquid fertiliser. And talking of liquid feeds, uh, Rob says, when do I start feeding plants? Is it too soon to add liquid seaweed tonic to my liquid feed? Sounds like he's doubling up. You shouldn't add tonic to liquid feed. Don't need to, no. No. But it could literally you be overkill, couldn't You it? could start now, though, couldn't you? Yeah, and absolutely now, yeah. Ron yeah. from Wheelie. Um, Ron, what's your question very quickly? Because I'm literally running out of time. What's your question, Ron? Oh, right, um, basically, I'm building up a raised... Um, Vegetable uh, uh, box, uh, you know, about um, oh, uh, 12, 14 inches high. Um, now, I'm just going to put it on top of grass. Do I need to break up that grass in pre pre preparation before I put the, um, you know, sort of like one tonne of uh, soil on top? I wouldn't bother. Just put it on top? Just put it straight on top. That's magic. OK, then. Thanks, Al. Thank Enjoy. you very much indeed. <laughs> There's a, a man who knows how to answer it. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme. Every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11, we talk gardening. So come on, enjoy your garden. <laughs>